For a while, the Diocese of Cleveland was known for having masses that were a bit creative for diocesan-wide events. I'm not saying if that's good or if that's bad, I'm simply stating that's the way it was. Take, for example, the Chrism Mass. The Chrism Mass for a diocese takes place during Holy Week, usually on Monday, Thursday, although some dioceses have it on a different day. The Diocese of Cleveland has it on Holy Tuesday, which this year is the 11th of April at 7 p.m., and you are invited to St. John Cathedral to be there to see the Chrism Mass. Among the things that take place at this Mass are most of the priests of the diocese will be there and they will restate their vows uh, to be priests. And also, we have the blessing of the oils that will be used throughout the entire diocese for the upcoming year. The oils that we have here for baptism, confirmation, anointing of the sick, we need to dispose of these either by burying them or burning them. And then that day we pick up our new oils that the bishop will bless for the entire diocese for the entire year and those will be placed in uh, our ambry over here. So in the Missal, which is the book telling us how to do Mass, there are essentially two ceremonies that you can use for the blessing of oils. And at that time, Cleveland put their own unique twist on exactly how it would be done. So at the time when they were going to bless the oils, someone would stand up somewhere in the congregation where the oils were placed and explain to the bishop, Bishop, for example, these oils are going to be used throughout the rest of the year to anoint all the people who are sick in the diocese. Will you please anoint these, uh, bless these oils? And the bishop would say, I will bless these oils. And then the choir would sing and there would be a big procession and they would go out to somewhere in the congregation and bless the oils. And then someone would stand up over here and say, Bishop, these oils are going to be used to bless all the people who baptism, etc. Will you bless these oils? And the bishop would say, I will bless these oils. And the choir would start singing. And then this large uh, uh, procession would go over to those oils. And that went on. You get the idea. Now, you, uh, something to understand is at this point, I am a seminarian. I'm very idealistic. I'm 100% a church man, and I sit there and think, why do we have to be so inventive? Why can't we just do what the church asks us to do? It would also be quicker in the back of my mind. <laughs> so the next day, I'm sitting in the refectory, which is the dining room at the seminary. I'm by myself, drinking a cup of coffee, probably doing homework or something, and a priest I don't know very well comes down and sits next to me. And he says, what did you think of the chrism mass last night? And I said, well, it was nice. The, the choir was beautiful. The, the ceremony was nice. But you know what the part I couldn't stand? It was the part where we played Marco Polo with the bishop. Bishop, come over here. I will come over here. And, he goes, and I'm being really snotty. You know, and then someone else pops up over here. And the guy sits back in his chair and he goes, you know, it took me five years to talk the bishop into doing that. <laughs> I had no idea with whom I was speaking. I was mortified. More than that, I feared for my future. Here's someone who's in regular contact with the bishop, and here's his lowly seminarian trashing his mass, right? If I knew with whom I was speaking, I would have handled myself very differently. 
Have you ever been in a situation like that, talking to someone and telling them something before you realized exactly with whom you were speaking? With that in mind, here is one of the great things about God. Most often, he reveals himself to us very slowly. We see that in the gospel today. The Samaritan woman walks right up to where Jesus is and has no problem engaging him in conversation once he broaches the, the conversation barrier. And she's kind of cheeky, you know? Should you really be talking to me? If you can pull that off, give me this water always. Do you really think that you're greater than Jacob who gave us this well? I can picture her much later on, probably in the middle of the night, waking up and just roiling after it's been revealed more to her who Jesus is. I can't believe I talked to him that way. But he made himself approachable and developed a thirst for truth in her. That the mo and the more that she, he could develop that, the more she desired, the more he could give her. Last week we were uh, talking about the transfiguration when Jesus shone in all his glory. And would that woman have even approached that well if off in the distance she saw this bright glowing guy talking to Moses and Elijah? Right? She probably would have turned and run the other way. But here at the well, his glory is concealed in human flesh. And it's only through time, contact, conversation that he slowly reveals to her to whom she is speaking. As time goes on, notice the change of address that she gives him. You a Jew. And the first time she says, sir, I kind of imagine her as a sassy waitress. Sir, how are you going to get that water? You don't even have a cup. Later on, it's a little bit more respectful, sir. Then she says, you're a prophet. And then she starts questioning, I know they say the Messiah is coming. And later, talking to her friends in the village, could he be the Christ? This is a great mercy of God. For example, the Eucharist. The Eucharist that you and I are about to celebrate, that's present in our tab tabernacle right now, we believe that this is the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ, that the bread and wine has ceased to exist, except in its accidents. That meaning it still looks like it, tastes like it, feels like it, smells like bread and wine, but the bread and wine has ceased to exist, and it's Jesus Christ who was present to us in the exact same way 2,000 years ago as he walked on earth. And I think that if I saw and understood 100% exactly that with which I am dealing when we are celebrating the Mass together, I don't think I could function. I don't think I would be able to be your priest. But 2,000 years ago, instead of lightning bolts and earthquakes and loud noises that God came to us in the Old Testament, He took on flesh so that He could be approachable. And today, he takes on the, the, bread, the form of bread and wine, extremely approachable. And as we pray, as we come to Mass, as we study Scripture, as we spend time before the Blessed Sacrament, particularly on Tuesdays, we have the Blessed Sacrament exposed on our altar most of the day to, for you to come and me to come and spend some time with him. As we get to know Jesus better, 
as we more actively engage with him more fully, we come to understand more deeply who he is and with whom we are dealing, the depth of which we will never fully plumb. The more you mine, the more there is to mine. It reminds me of when I first came to St. Sebastian, and I had a very rudimentary idea of who St. Sebastian was at the time. If he was in the lineup of saints, I could pick him out because I knew he was the one with arrows sticking out of him. So I thought, if this guy is patron of this parish, and I'm going to have to work with him over the next number of years, I better get to know him. So I went about finding a bunch of stuff on the internet, histories, stories, people's thoughts, even poems. I'm not even a big poem guy, but I looked up poems. And around his feast day that first year, I would go up into the chapel and the rectory before the Blessed Sacrament, and I would pull these things out and pray and read about St. Sebastian, pray to him, talk to him, and get to know him better. And now we think we're pretty close friends. And some of the things that have happened at this parish I, that I would attribute directly to his intercession have been pretty remarkable. Getting to know God. It can be that way with God. So here is a couple of things that I offer you. First, if you want to get to know Jesus better, particularly as he is most fully present to us in the Holy Eucharist, it requires what is required of getting to know anybody. Time conversation, which we call prayer when we are talking about with God, interest, reading up on him, discovering what he loves, and then love it yourself, discovering why he loves you, and slowly he will reveal himself to you, and never assume you know him. You will never fully know him in this life, but the more you do know him, the more blessings you receive, the more graces you receive, the more benefits you receive in this life. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Don't be sad that after having a very thoughtful, erudite, and clever conversation with somebody, that they don't fall all over themselves begging you to take them to Mass. Most often, not always, but most often, the faith is a gentle opening up of the eyes. The seed of a thought that you planted in someone today may take a long time to germinate and take root. Remember, Jesus was telling that to his disciples today. Someone else planted. You just get to harvest. And as much as you might wish to give that faith to someone, in the same measure and even greater, Jesus desires to deepen your faith, your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding, your insight. So be open to him with as much ardor as you wish someone to be open to you.